This is Talking Hardcore, the podcast for people who love hardcore history. You study history because it allows us to understand the present and prepare for the future. I'm not trolling. And I love it's, it. I'm, I'm just pointing out where they're wrong. The Talking Hardcore podcast is presented by Ace Industrial Solutions. Are you in need of skilled trade professionals for your next project? Look no further. Today we're <laughs> going to talk about a fly on the wall of James Burke, which is hardcore history uh episode 19 yeah 19 so can we call this a gnat on the fly on the fly on the wall of james <laughs> <Burke>? <laughs> no 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 okay. i'm not naming it that uh, it's kind of nobody funny. will get it but us <laughs> well <unless. laughs> there you go that's two inside baseball <laughs> um, anyway matt we got matt here thanks for joining us matt what's um, up guys so you you just listened to the episode again uh scott yeah. and i did Give us your thoughts, Matt. Well, the first thing that comes across is like Dan is humbly diminishing of his earlier work. And this is just a fantastic episode, even in a short form. There's a lot of good uh, information there. Um, in the way I just got done listening to you guys interview Dan. And this is one of his geek out experiences talking to James Burke. Right. Yep. Yep. You can it's tell, funny. you know, it, it's yeah, funny because it I was listening to him sticking to that same thing. I'm like, holy shit, this is Dan <laughs> interviewing somebody like we just interviewed him. Obviously, he yeah. was way better at it, but it was it's <laughs> no, pretty it's pretty interesting. And, we and he asked up. great questions and, and brought the conversation all over the place. Um, mm -hmm. One thing that, that James was talking about earlier on was uh, revisionist history and sort of his, historiography. And that's something that you guys kind of covered. But revisionist history is something that's been in my mind a lot lately. Matt, not only can you pause with... for one second? Yeah, I want to sure go ahead and tell people. So episode 19, Dan Carlin does an interview with historian, media personality, James Burke. Okay, and if you haven't listened, go download the old episodes from dancarlin.com, listen to it, and then come back and listen to this. Go ahead, Matt. Yeah, James, they're talking about revisionist history, and that's something that's been on my mind a lot lately, not only with the uh, series of episodes by The Rest is History regarding the Aztecs, which was phenomenal, and I'm sure we'll continue to tout as we continue these yeah, conversations. Yeah, we're going to do a whole series. We're going to do a special on that. So <laughs> Look forward to that, people. It's going to be great. Mm -hmm. um, that was so good. But, but uh, also, just kind of in my own work, I'm really interested in it. And uh, something, I think it was also on The Rest is History. They had, I think his name is Frank McDonough. He did um, a, 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 a book or a series of books called The Hitler Years. And in <clears throat> so The so Rest is History did a series about Rise and Fall of the Nazis. And yeah. they, had Frank, they had McDonough on there. And he was just like, Dude, I thought I knew a lot about that stuff, you know, I've read right. tons. And then he was just plugging information in. I was like, dude, I really need to go back and read his stuff because it's not – I think the term revisionist history kind of has certain connotations to it. And there's one side and another side. Like one one way, mm -hmm. we're going to change history for a certain intention and use it to our own purposes. The other is history is not set. Historiography is a consensus of sources. We're continually learning new things. I don't know if you yeah. just saw that thing I posted in the Discord, but they just found Philip the Second of Macedon's tomb with no his way. wife, Cle with his wife Cleopatra, and their infant daughter who was assassinated by Alexander after Philip died and he took power. Like they found I, that they confirmed. I'm going to look that up as soon as we're yeah, done. It's, with it's, this. It's I one, did not. It's, it's one of the most recent things on there. It's one. <laughs> right, they, check they the found link her. in the Discord for an in yeah, or yeah. check the link in the description for an invite to the Discord channel for Hardcore History. Uh, and Matt has a whole conversation there about media sharing that shares articles. 
if you want to find that, that's a good place to find it. It's one of the most recent ones in the media sharing. Right I on. will check yeah, that out. They, I can't believe I missed found, it. That they is presume to awesome. Be, yeah, they found Facetion's tomb probably. They found Philip II. We're honing in on Alexander, but obviously that's the best, bigger fish to catch. How so cool the point that is be? that we can learn new things. New things are coming out. There's new methods right. of of finding stuff, and um, it, you know, every once in a while things require revising. Um, it's it's not you know sacrosanct material. It should be fluid. And they discussed that there uh, with, some, mm-hmm. with something that really stuck out to me. Yeah, I mean, go ahead. I probably shouldn't bring this up. So I, I, I just, just gloss over that one. So I like it. Scott has gotten so good at this podcasting stuff now that he stops before he swallows his foot. <laughs> the problem is some of our best content is you choking on your foot. Fine. So no, no, if no, you no, want to no, say no, it, no. say it. So my, but what a, my cousin not too long ago brought up a book about Andrew Jackson, mm-hmm. and it's I, it. I can't tell you. Like I don't know where the the author got these sources. I don't even remember what book it was. But some of the stuff that my cousin was telling me was in the book. I just uh, I, I just found it hard to believe. Like right. I, I just you know. And it might be true. And it might not be. A lot of times there there's a a political motive to things like that. But right? and my point is about the revisionist history, mm-hmm. right? So, like you were saying, Matt, some things are good, some things are bad, some things are politically driven. You know, you want to revise history, you know, like, okay, this happened on this date instead, or, you know what I mean? Like, but to, to completely change a narrative on somebody's life, like, when it just, right. It, it was an interesting, interesting conversation. Huh. So, and I think there's a revisionist history and then there's, there's political hack jobs. Okay. So don't confuse Straight the up. two. What Dan was talking about and what James Burke was talking about in this and what Dan talked about with us is we interpret history and what's happening through the light of what's happening with us today. And and to me, I also think about it like this. We take different lessons from history based on in light of what is happening to us today. Yeah, okay. absolutely. So that means whatever happened, happened. Our understanding of what happened changes because we also have all this other knowledge about human nature, but also we have more information that can change. And we also learn, okay, well, this guy who we've been taking as an honest truth teller, we now know he's a liar based on Mm -hmm. his other sources. So we're going to not believe what he said about that. So that's not really revisionist history in a negative way. It's just, our, our, our picture's getting clearer, or at least it seems to be getting clearer. It's, we'll it's never important. Really nothing, nothing should be totally set in stone. You know what I mean? Um, right. Like, exactly. I, I, like, just going back to the Hitler stuff, like, I base an incredible amount of my knowledge on John Tolan's, what I consider to be definitive biography. That I've read, like, five biographies of him, and some of them are just not objective like there's a personal opinion in there and then sure. you read that one and it's neutral but also comprehensive and then mcdonald comes along and re- kind of refutes or updates some of that stuff in there and, it, and it, it's you have that feeling where you're like i don't believe this and mm-hmm. then you're like oh okay i should just let go of my preconceptions and and go with right. the material that's, that's and important, maybe that's you know? right yeah yep and as, as far as uh relating history to our present circumstances i think that's unavoidable and i think it's very important that we do that um you know Mm -hmm. seeing history through our current lens people in history didn't had no idea we were going to exist and they had no premonition of our civilization so they were just Mm -hmm. living their lives and it's important to see them as they were but 
seeing history through the lens of current events is how it folds forward and grows on itself and actually becomes the foundation. I, I like to say history is who we are, but not who we have to be. Right. Or yeah. who we were, anyway. True. But, yeah. But then you, you can say that, you know, it's a complete... You could say everything's reflective, though. You could say, like, you know, uh, anybody in 15th century England was reflecting back on Aristotle. You know what I mean? Like, you, mm-hmm. it really depends. I mean, if there, if everybody keeps reflecting back. Well, it, but it depends we on have their knowledge and the knowledge. influence of their cultures. Sure. We have yeah. way more yeah. knowledge of the past than they did, right? Right. Um, like nowadays, a per, an average person can go into a bookstore and pick up a book that has literally mm-hmm. the history of the entire world in it. Okay. Or but if you're living, you can take out this magic device that lives in their pocket. Yeah. And right. Look right. It exactly. Instantly. Exactly. Right. Instant. But if but if you're a peasant living in yeah. Western Europe in the right. in the you know the high Middle Ages, then your society. Your lifestyle probably hasn't changed for thousands of years, but as far as the big governmental stuff, those mm-hmm. people were trying to catch up to Rome and emulate Rome and pick up the right. pieces of Rome, and then you have the influence of the church in there. But so this brings us right influences. back to James Burke, right? Because that's what he was talking about with Dan. The, the reason he's optimistic for the future is because we are increasing exponentially the amount of brain power we can bring to the world by Absolutely. increasing – the literacy and access to information to more and more people every day. Now, instead of just the elite that can read and have access to manuscripts, it's everybody or soon to be everybody, hopefully will be everybody. And there's negative consequences of that too, but they're worth it. Well, you're right. But then there's people that don't utilize the tool that they have in the palm of their hand. I mean, I I've met, you know, I, I, Whatever. I've I've met people that are like, oh, how do you you know how do you change a light fixture? Well, dude, you got you have YouTube. There's fifty guys on there that can tell you how to change a light fixture. Sure. But the the, the thing is that James Burke, right, he talked about how amazing the human brain is. Okay. Sure. And that's in general. Now, everybody's brains are different. There are, and this is legit true, there are shitty, dumb people out there that have brains that don't work as good. And then there's people like me who I feel like my brain works okay. I've talked to people who I know brain their brain works better than mine. And I know it. Like you can feel it. Like when you're talking to somebody that's that well equipped at it, you're like, oh, well, their brain's better. You know, and that's okay. It everybody's brains are different. And and the, just because their brain's better doesn't mean that they're gonna be better for society. Well, I think James Burke would agree to dis- disagree with well, that. Well, he'd be wrong. I'm sorry, but <laughs> I would I would go I would go to war with James Burke over that because there are differences in humans, uh, okay, I'm, and there are smarter people and dumber people. And but what you do by increasing literacy and access to information is you increase the overall chance of finding the smart people because that's true. Those smart people a lot of times would have never got found. Well, then here's the question. Absolutely. So this this is a question for you guys. So everybody knows Albert Einstein, Oppenheimer. I mean, you could you could right. jump out like twenty big names, right? Yeah. Where are those people today? You, you said they're all over the place. They're building they're building this. They're 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 shoot, shooting rockets to space with SpaceX. They're they're working on Mars trips. They're doing all kinds of stuff. You just there's so <laughs> much information. You, you're so you're cherry picking just looking at Einstein. I, I'm going to take this uh, 
person by person and period by period. Now, of course, Oppenheimer and Einstein overlapped, but I'm going to do two distinct things here. Einstein provided the theory of relativity at a time when one area was burgeoning into another. He was at the forefront of a new wave of science, and there was a, a lot of ignorant stuff going on and very dense postulation. Yeah. And it was just time for that to happen. It hadn't happened yet. Okay. Now, those people might still be out there. What's the new frontier? Quantum mechanics and string theory and all this kind of stuff. So we are seeing people like that. Feynman, you know, comes up a lot. Um, there's right. some very, very, very intelligent people out there doing the work, and we don't know their names because they're more in the background. But if you listen to um, like Brett Weinstein, or not Brett Weinstein, but uh, yeah, his brother, Eric, Eric, Eric Weinstein. Weinstein. And he, I was going to just does, mention him. He, yeah, he does a podcast where he's honest, honestly just asked who's the most intelligent person. He's like, this dude, like everybody knows him, but you don't. You know what I mean? Right. Oppenheimer, his achievements were propelled by great necessity, which was the war. You know, where's and, our war? Where's our great necessity? Oppenheimer's genius was not his genius. It was ability to get geniuses to get shit done. Sometimes, right? like, you know, conducting the orchestra is the great achievement, right. right? Right. But Weinstein, Eric Weinstein talks about this, too. And his podcast was called Dark Horse. He doesn't really do it anymore. But he yeah. talked about this. He's like, physics took a dead end 40 years ago. And it's stuck. And there haven't yeah. been really very much since then. That's and a very keeps, real conversation. Yeah, it's a very yep, real narrative that's going on right now. It's like, hey, we need, we need to get back to <laughs> the best and people his, getting yeah. to work on things instead he, of being he, stuck he, defending their, he talk, their he ideas. He gives an, an actual cause for it. I, he was talking mm -hmm. on another podcast, and they were like, he was like, what do you miss or what about it? And he's like, back in the day, probably the 1920s, cowboy physics were like universities would like, who's the most brilliant dude? Bring him here. Here's a bunch of money. Go make it great. See you right. around. Yep. That's yep. it. Now it's all micromanaged and like, you know, applying yep. for funds. Are you writing a papers? Totally different environment. Yeah. yeah exactly. Are you writing papers? You need to be publishing. Yeah. If you're not publishing, environment. we're not going to get any more government <laughs> funding. And 100% it's different. Mm hmm. And, you know, but then there's people like Elon who's doing his best to push the ball forward. By getting smart people together to work on things that he thinks are important. Sure. Yeah. And, you know, putting a lot of money into it. Yeah. And hopefully there's more people like him. So, but you lead so the way my, you're going to take the most hits, you know what I mean? And so right. that guy gets a lot of fun. I read his biography about Walter Isaacson, the guy who does all the famous biographies. He did Einstein and, you know, Picasso. And oh, yeah. Was Steve, it good? Jo Steve, Steve Jobs. Yeah, it was a good biography. It actually breaks down his operational capacity at his various factories, which has been a matter of some dispute. It talks about like all, all the things that are popping up in the news nowadays and he's getting flack about is like, well, this was actually in the works for 20 years, and you know he's not doing right. it the way he wanted to. It's just a lot of good history, and it kind of clears sure. up the thing about his dad and all this kind of stuff. And Sounds you know, it, it it does, and it ends with the whole thing. You know, the same thing about Steve Jobs does uh, producing, achieving all this. Excuse you being an asshole? No, of course not. But it, but it is very interesting. But it kind of does. I was, I was inspired by that. I mean, I'm, I'm, gotcha. you know, a very clear critic of, you know, his social uh, faux pas, but um, I was inspired by, by reading his story because it's very right. clear what he's trying to do. And it's very much what you're saying, George, he is right. trying to like inspire people, get the ball moving mm -hmm. forward, get us off this planet, take us to the next stage, cut through all the bureaucracy that comes with government funding and just do it right. because he can Right, because he, I mean, he could just be sailing around on a yacht, banging hot chicks. Yeah, yeah. Like legit, most people with that kind of money, that's what they do. 
the vast majority. Yeah. And his life would be infinitely easier. It would be. If he just did that. Yeah. I mean, imagine yeah. how much less crap he would take. Oh, for sure. So he just posted something on Twitter today, or X, <laughs> that they installed the first Neuralink. Yep. Oh, and wow. a human. Cool. Wow, that's uh, a big deal. I remember when they came out with that, and they were just doing the testing on pegs, and they were recruiting people. So that's a major leap forward. It's scary, but it's also like, like he said, the first people that they're going to put it in is people who are injured. It, yeah. Because the first, imagine, app, the, fir- the first application of that will be for medical purposes. Yeah. Well, imagine. Okay, so you have somebody who's handicapped, and there's a disconnect in their spinal cord between their brain and their legs, but not you anymore, can Bluetooth not. that shit. Yep. You can yep, Bluetooth yep. that shit. Holy crap, is that amazing. I mean, that is, everybody better just shut up about the guy if that works, right? Right. Because that is a huge benefit to the human race. Huge, huge. I mean, imagine the kids that are born like that, right? That are born like that, that they could just live a normal life. And that's the kind of stuff you read about in science fiction novels. It also could be some really terrible shit with the Neuralink, too. Sure. But that that doesn't mean that you don't do it because you're worried about that. Right. It, it, you do it, and then you have conversations along the way with appropriate mm-hmm. authorities as to guidelines and safeguards. You know, yeah. Um, but same do way you they're doing the with government? AI. Do you, no, have, you, don't do you trust, trust the, government. the government to like be like do, yeah. safeguard Neuralinks? Like, if you're no. like, okay, you can't have them let them have a backdoor into everybody's brains. Yeah, right? that that's scary enough, right Straight there. Up what right? it would be, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's why I will never get one. Right, unless barring some kind of catastrophic injury, I will never get one. Or your brain gets hacked. Yeah, I mean, think about that shit. That's terrible. I write stuff. I write too. stuff projecting into the future, and it's absolutely at a certain point networked consciousness of the entire race. Right, like everybody's yeah. everybody's got those implants. Never. Privacy has a whole new meaning, and never you know, and that. and you have and, and publicly sharing things is commonplace. Yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. luckily so, I'll yeah, be that's... dead before that shit could be really. <laughs> You'll be dead before my book gets published. I, 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 no, uh, no. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> now I read it. it. It'll get published before that. No, then. it's another one. Yeah, yeah. But still, mm-hmm. no. no, I read. <laughs> well, your that your second book that no. I read. Uh, oh yeah, it's in there too. Yeah, it's, it's in, in there too. too. Yeah. Well, it's a common then, theme for me because I think that's where we're going. Well, it seems likely. But then you skip. Like, let's just say for for a sake of argument, you skip CRISPR and just start making superhumans. Well, that's what they do it through CRISPR. But what do you mean? Impl- no, I'm implanting, uh, like the neural link. So you you oh so you you skip CRISPR. Well, the CRISPR gives you humans with no diseases and humans. Yeah, that CRISPR is an editing tool. It's like removing removing things with genius right, brains. Right. Yeah. And then you stick the neural link in there, and then what do you have? You have super soldiers super that are super geniuses. Yeah. As far as that word consciousness goes for that, there's a book called The Peripheral by Philip K. Dick, and he uh, – I've only seen the show, so I'm just, it's only from the show that I'm knowing this, but um, uh, soldiers have uh, network consciousness for their squads, and they all can like read each other's minds and stuff, so it, they, they make the most tightly formed platoon that you Did can possibly imagine. Did he write Slaughterhouse-Five? No, that was Kurt Vonnegut. Okay, okay. I, I didn't like that book. Hold on. You don't want super smart – giant soldiers right you don't that's not what you want 100 percent. you want army ants and then you want really smart sm- smaller guys yeah well exactly because yeah. then, you know i don't know jocko's not tiny but we need to get back to james yeah, sorry Burke. we yeah. have not talked <laughs> so, <laughs> okay so uh, another thing yeah go ahead, yeah, go go ahead. ahead. Yeah. no matt you fire away 
Oh yeah, another thing that struck out to me that stuck out to me in this episode was Burke talking about not only revisionist history but revisionist education. And the whole concept yeah. that you need a PhD to be considered intelligent or informed. And mm-hmm. who, folks, guys, George Scott, is Dan Carlin a, a historian? Uh, you know, I think he's just a fan of history. He's an amateur historian. He's a <laughs> right, right, right. He's a fan would, of history. Would you consider him to be a historian, right? I mean, he no. basically is. But I no, think not, he is. Not, I think he is. Right, right, right. Like I, told, like right. I said in the He doesn't have a PhD. I learned more from Dan than I did exactly. in my degree. Exactly. Yeah, he's right. a modern historian, and maybe we could come up with a new t- new term where we call them storytellers. Well, you know, I mean, he, he's a he's an oral historian, yeah. right? And maybe that's and the so way to do it. He's highly regarded. He's educational. You know, he he's does more research than most professors yes! that write about yes! a subject, and that's yes! not close. And, and, and that's what we were talking about talking earlier, about right? Yeah, you know, we were talking about earlier about you know revisionist history. Well, that's why Dan and he talked about this on the podcast. That's why he reads thirty you know, 30 freaking books on a subject yeah. so that he gets a really well-rounded view. Now, the nice thing is he does that so we don't have to because I don't have time for that. Yeah. Right? I don't have yeah. time for that, which is another reason I have a Patreon account set up so when he drops a new episode, I kick there him some money because yeah. I don't have time to read all those books and expensive. Yeah. It's a lot cheaper yeah. to pay Dan 10 bucks when Straight a new up. episode comes out than he's, it is to read yeah. 30 books. Mm-hmm. But okay, he's probably so, he's he's probably bringing to the fore the parts that would stand out to me the most, anyways. So that's what it's you know. right, exactly. So one of the things that James Burke talked about that I that popped out to me is he talked about this culture here, specifically in America, where there was always there was always more. You could just go if you wanted more. You could go west. That's how the people mm. got here in the first place, right? Then I mean, mm-hmm. sorry, Europeans got here because it was. You can have some land instead of being a serf. Well, I'll go. Mm-hmm. You can, you can, well, now most of these Native Americans died. That's pretty empty. I'll go, I'll go fight for that. I'll go and I'll keep going and keep going. And that reminded me of Frederick Jackson Turner. I don't know if you ever read his, I can't remember the name of the book, but his thesis was the, the presence of the frontier is what spawned the whole idea of the American dream and American exceptionalism, right? The idea that you actually could work hard, go get something, work hard for it, and make it work. In Europe, that was dead. Yeah, you're right. It's been dead for a while. It was dead because it was full, Yep. right? It was full. The presence of that frontier, and now that closed effectively in like 1914. And now... Maybe that's what we're seeing is the death of that whole American dream. I, it, it doesn't – it's it's still part of, of the culture. Sensed, I've sensed that before. That's speaking to my subconscious, man. Right. So like <coughs> – and I'm not saying like literally. I'm saying like the the in the culture, right, there's this whole generation of young people that think the idea of pulling yourself up by your bootstraps and the idea that 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 you can achieve something on your own or, or with through hard work – is ridiculous, and that's because there's not been a frontier for a long time. I, I think you're right. The frontier right. does epitomize oh, the, the the American dream in that it is um, uh, a, a way to 
to uh, become anything you want, okay, you know, and mm-hmm. um, also to uh, act, uh, build your world according to your own independence. Right, and, and incentivize and hard is, work. Is, 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 yeah, it, yeah, exactly. That's if you're surfing point. Europe it's, in 1600s, most you're gonna of the work time, hard, work, but, but you're gonna see much of it. Yeah, yeah. But it so what's the equivalent? What's the equivalent of that nowadays? I mean, but those that's two why qualities. it's still true nowadays. That's why that I think those kids that think that are wrong. Oh, 100%. Because America, we have this culture that was built on that, and it's still true because of the culture. Here, if you work hard, you can go up. There's no class, rigid class structure. Right. Okay? No matter where you come from yeah. in this country, you can succeed. Now, it's That's not going to be the same level of difficulty for everybody. Some All people, right. it will be easier where they start yeah. than where some people start. And that's life that sucks, but that's life. The, but everybody can. The the problem is, and I, I think this is this is when when it comes to, you know, having a job or being somewhere. I think the problem roots into there's a lot of people that don't want you to to branch out on your own. It's not that they don't want you to do it, but they didn't do it, so they want you to stay at that job in the corporation. It, it, they it's like a push. I think. That's way less common here than in other countries, though. Here, there is a whole structure in place to help entrepreneurs. And it's not always as good as it should be. I'm not saying entrepreneurs. No, but I'm saying to start your own business, to do that. Right. Sure. So you'll listen to people from England, and they come over here, and they're like, this is amazing. Everybody here is, like, encouraging you to start a business or to try hard and to, and to, to invent something. They're like, back home? Everybody's like, what are you going to do? You're not gonna do that. Don't do that. Yeah. Just, just, just shut up. Just do your, just sit there. Just, go just do, do your job. Yep. They don't have that culture of trying to, to, to make something amazing. There's no end game. Yeah. But right. It'll be that, taken. Just, but, but that's where that all comes from. Some of that still, some of that culture, yeah, sure, still exists here. Of course. Like, uh, you're just a mechanic. You're not gonna be anything great. You know, until you'll you, get some assholes it, for sure. But then. You know, if you hear that from enough people or you're stuck in that job, you don't have to stay. Right. And, and you know what? It sucks. It's scary. I'm a, I'm speaking from experience. It is very scary to take the leap. Or when your boss is whatever. Right. When, when something's being told to you that doesn't make sense or is actually detrimental, you, you don't have to put up with that crap. I mean, you, well, yeah, it's too but hard to so, No, but you're right. In some countries, you do. Sure. Right. But that's why American is America is amazing, is because you you literally don't. It's it, it's you, thirty five bucks to start a business. It is there's so much more availability and it's dangerous and it's risky, right? It can be. But it's all about hustle and drive. It can be. At that, and then what am I going to do next? It, it can be right, and you could be really driven and hustle really hard and still fail. Sure. But at least here you have the opportunity to do those things. If you're financially stable enough. Even if you're not. Well, it's I mean, fuck, poor people do amazing things and come out of the, like, that's what's great about America is there's a long list to you. There's a long list in other countries and and go look in in history in other countries about the number of amazing people that started from poor beginnings. And it's a lot smaller. Sure. But they didn't get there rapidly. Yeah. Okay. They didn't get there in their twenties because they didn't have 
they they had to work their way up to those advantages financially or to where they could get the credit maybe or to where they could you're just assuming i don't know we don't have any data on that uh, you don't know that's just that's just a guess and you might be right look at the colonel but you don't know mm-hmm. you're talking about colonel sanders yeah okay he didn't <laughs> anyway. kfc to how, how old yeah but 55 he was also like like go look at his life he was like arrested a few times for sure. domestic violence I, I, if i remember Whoa. correctly like wow. if I remember correctly, let's do an episode on that guy. Well, somebody, I, I think it was the um the way I heard it did one about him. If I remember correctly, the legend was though they said, "What are you really good at?" And he goes, "I make some good fried chicken." Yeah, okay. And they were like, "Well, then why don't you do that?" I think he was working at a gas station making the did it, chicken. Did the judge tell him that when he was about to be arrested for domestic? <laughs> <laughs> okay. And I, I hope I'm right about that, but I I remember reading that or hearing that in a podcast, so. But I mean, it's like that guy. The reason he didn't do that till he was fifty-five is because he wasn't, he wasn't really good at anything else. And then it finally occurred to him, well, I make really good fried chicken, and then it was able to do it. But the the point is, Scott, that whole idea of of people trying hard that could be tied to the idea of the frontier, and that's where that culture was started in the first place. What's the new frontier? That was Frederick Jackson Turner's thesis. I, I wish I could remember the book, but it was something. About, I, I think that's absolutely correct, and I think yeah, Europe was a, a stagnant was a stagnant place full of overcrowded cities that were yeah. highly taxed by a monarchy. And then we mm-hmm. got here; it was open fields and you know, and yeah. and uh, and fresh game just and had all to, over like, the place. Get small. We built our own world, that was but there. now we're crowded again. And you know, where's the new place to go? Uh, is it I don't space? Think we are is it crowded, science? Though. Well, it's, I mean, there's it's plenty of open crowded. land in America, but yeah. Right. Well, look at look at Russia. Can you just there's go stake huge, your claims somewhere? Yeah, but there's huge swaths. That's why I want to conquer Canada. There's there's huge swaths of of <laughs> Canada, Russia. Oh yeah. I mean, that are just completely devoid of civilization. Right. I mean, and so if James Burke is right, we don't need. But go less buy one. Work. How much How much does it cost per acre? Yeah. Sure. But it's you can't just uh, go plant a flag and build be. a fence. Way yeah, way more than it used to be. A hundred percent right, Matt. Yeah. But it's at least achievable here. It is. Well, right Right now, maybe it's not so much. I mean, the, we're at a point where property prices are high, right? But it is cyclical, and, and they're still cheaper than it has been historically when, say, you're in Europe, and all of the land belongs to either the monarch or the people yes. he gave it to, and yeah. you don't ever get to own any. You have no hope unless of you're so. Yeah, unless you're knighted. You know, like... <laughs> Yeah. So, what if the next frontier is at the the ocean floor? See, the frontier no longer is the frontier like you're thinking of it. That's what it was. Now it's Physical. technological. Sure. Yeah. Now it's it's the internet. It's it's everything. That, that, it's well, what, you're right. And what the dot com boom proved that you could. It was a new frontier where you could build yeah. anything you wanted, and you could be uh-huh. independent because you could like write some code, build a, uh, a yeah. useful website, and you, you are an independent an business person who is all of a sudden you know mm-hmm. well off. It is. What it really you, is. Yep. If you can live at the bottom of the ocean. Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> we're not out of places, so it's kind of silly to worry about that because we're we got sure. plenty of land. But or the moon. Okay, Let's go so. To the moon. <laughs> what James Burke was talking about. So you think about it. Everybody's so worried. There's so many people so worried about overpopulation. But I would have to imagine that James Burke would absolutely, absolutely be worried about the other thing of the other way. Depopulation? Because he thinks 
that the best thing we could do for the future is give more human brains access to information and 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 uh, an opportunity. It's, the way it's, you do it's, that is making more people and making more opportunity for those people. I agree the with best that. Resources, the best yeah. natural resources on the planet are our brains. Absolutely. absolutely. I mean, There's look at all the book. amazing shit. There's this great book called um, How to Fly a Horse, The History of Creativity and Inventiveness. Well, that's and so you it, can't fly a horse, Matt. <laughs> really? Watch me. I'm going to build a flying horse, and I'm going to make a million dollars. And it says that early on, uh, probably turn of the century, 1900s, mm-hmm. and he gives it an absolute metric here. He's like, at, I think he was talking about New York City in particular, but this probably applies everywhere. As more patent offices opened up, the amount of patents increased. Okay, now that may seem very simple, but it just means that the availability of a resource for creativity yep. brings in all these people who had it in them already. Okay, and, right. and James Burke says in the episode, he says, when they invented a printing press, some people argued that this is going to put hands in the book, going to put books in the yep. hands of people in the hands of people who have no business reading books. Okay. Yeah. Right. But, and he defied that, you know, immediately. And, and it speaks mm-hmm. to what you're saying, George, is that everybody has that spark in them given an opportunity. Maybe they won't use any internet to build something new. Maybe they'll use it to, you know, whatever, but, but giving the majority of people will fall on the side of creativity, inventiveness. And it's just, you're going to err on the side of a more productive, Right. I don't even know society. if it's a majority, but I don't think it needs to be. I think it's, it's over the half. fact that it's. It, I don't even know. Uh, I don't it, even the fact is, like maybe enough people, <laughs> enough people, will do great things with it that it benefits the whole human race. Yeah, and so up. that so you just talked about it, James Burke, when he was talking about the printing press, and that part struck me too, because I've often compared the internet to the to the printing press on this podcast because it caused turmoil for like a what, 100 to 200 years. You know, the Protestant Reformation, all that couldn't have been possible without the printing press. Mm-hmm. It caused all kinds of issues, right? And the internet is like that times a thousand. And James Burke, Dan asked him about that, and James Burke says, well, we're just in the transition phase. Yeah. Which is true, but that assumes we can survive the transition phase. And we probably will. That's where I come probably. down on it. I feel like it's more likely than not we will. But I think it's possible we don't. How many it's foreign powers that were using the printing press to sow the seeds of dissension in our society? Right. You know? There's yep. that aspect of it, too. Like, when you say that, it makes me mm-hmm. think of the distinctions. Like, yep. the social – you know, could someone pick up a newspaper – write an op-ed or a personal editorial or whatever, and then mm-hmm. mail it in and then have that affect someone else or a group of their society so negatively that they would then respond and, you know, and cause racism or anger or protest. Right. There, there's the immediate aspect of it and the, and the third party meddling influence of it that has mm-hmm. an entirely other con- uh, uh, effect really. And, and the internet, this makes the internet much more powerful, much more dangerous. Well, also, Matt, besides foreign powers, internal disputes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, like Dan talked about on our podcast, right? You have Fox News and MSNBC, right? You, you, you have everybody getting a, a different story, okay? Mm-hmm. And he said history's always been like that. Well, yeah, but now it's to the 
it's only more so, right? It's now it's you have social media companies with echo chambers and stuff, and you have all of these. You can easily see how social media and the news in general has found it profitable to push us towards hating each other. And yeah. can we adjust and stop that cycle? Or do we learn to ignore that? And, and, and do we overcome that before we burn everything to the ground? And I think we do, most likely. That's tough. But this election year might actually see we might see what happens. Yeah. It's the first if, deep if fake you think election. The last one was yeah. pretty crazy. Yeah. Wait to wait now. Now, yeah. now basically you're gonna have one side thinks the other side's crazy. And it's both both sides think the other side's crazy and isn't doesn't have a clue what's really going on in the world. Right. And one side's a liar or they're just cheating and stealing right. the election. Yeah. yeah. When it's really tough. it's tough. They're both idiot assholes that shouldn't be in charge of anything. <laughs> so what if, what? So if we survive this election, maybe we're good. Maybe this proves that the system is so robust that it can even survive this. It's a true test of our system. But you're right. James it's, Burke it's a bad, talked it's a about hard one. He thought the problems that we're having now are because we have systems that were designed to work in an era of scarcity. And we have an error of abundance. Yeah, that's a very good point. Right, and but what does a system designed for abundance look like? We don't know yet, but somebody really needs to drill down on that. Let's get a think tank on the issue. It makes me wonder if he is thinking that it would have to be something like socialism. Well, then it would no longer be abundance, abundance. <laughs> I mean, and that hmm. I think is honestly true. Well, if you it. You know what? We can't go down this rabbit hole. Okay? Right. I just but, wonder, like, so I'm asking you two. Does our modern system adapt? Or not our modern system. Does, let's be, break the, it down. The, the Constitution, okay, can that work in time, an era of abundance instead of an era of scarcity? I don't see why not. I don't know. It, it, so it, think about it. our system was designed originally so that you had to you had to own property to vote, right? That's a big deal. Now we have everybody gets a vote with no no test or any kind of requirement or understanding. You don't have to understand anything to be able to vote. You you don't have to prove you can, like that. You don't even have to prove you could read. <laughs> Right. And I understand where the problems with that come, because that was often used as a way to disenfranchise people. Right. For things that for reasons that we would say are not cool. But if you look at where things are going right now. I think you could make a strong argument that. The elites in this country don't actually believe in democracy. Well, what I think what we're seeing is something akin to the Roman Empire when God, I don't remember. You mean the Republic? Yeah. Where whoever promised the most and gave the most was gonna win the election. And that's it's, always it's populism, how, man. Good well, old that's fashioned. democracy. 
And that's Pop why populism. we didn't have a democracy in the first place. Well, right? That's why we had a republic. Sure. Okay. And also the only people who were voting were people who paid the taxes. So right hmm. now, that's one of the ways I've said we can fix all of this is that you have a national sales tax. So everybody's paying taxes. So then everybody actually has some skin in the game when they're voting for programs. But then you'll still have people that just say, yeah, I don't care. Spend the tax. Some of them, but less. I, I, well, look at California. It took a long time for California. Yeah, but they're, they're asking the government to pay their bill. They don't pay it. Well, but California has been taxing their population to death. Mm. And they keep. Because they had losing... all the resources for a long time. There was a, a wealth of natural resources. I mean, California should be the best state in the country. Sure. Just by sheer size, natural resources, Production. weather, yeah. everything. Like, everything's going for it. And that's what happens sometimes. You get you get all those things, and you take it for granted, and you run it in the ground. Yeah. Okay? And maybe that's what's going to happen. Or, and maybe that's what's going to happen with the whole country. I don't know, but our systems, I don't, I can't think of a system that would work in a time of abundance because James Burke seems to take it for granted that humans can adapt to that, but there are millions of years of evolution that caused us to be the way we are. And Dan asked him specifically about this, drugs and depression, and he thinks that's that's something where we're just adapting, we have to adapt to the to the transition to a, an era of abundance. But I think there's something to be said that humans do not do well with abundance. They need struggle because that's 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 what's built into us through our DNA. And I don't know if you can overcome 300 million years of evolution or 100 million years of evolution because we have big brains. I mean, maybe. If if we continually revert to old forms to deal with new developments, we'll never get anywhere. I don't know if I agree with that, Matt, because those old forms, they were based on understanding uh, human nature. Understanding human nature, yeah, but I mean, human nature has to change. I mean, evolution means you're changing, and if you are presented with a new environment, rising to the challenge, right? In a in a in a way of wisdom, is is the way you progress. And I, I was referring to Scott's statement about did he mean socialism? Well, is that the only thing we have to fall back on? I mean, is there right. not some new form of governance or or civilization that we can develop to deal with this time of abundance? That you know. Don't just call don't it socialism. Like, figure out well, something new. I, I don't know. So if you did, let's just say we're at, let, just for sake of argument, let's just say we're at the peak. We're at, we're at the peak of abundance. And it's downhill for the next Well, that's day. not what he was arguing. No, I, I know. Okay. I know. Okay. But I'm just saying. So so, so you, reform, you reform our system for abundance, right? And then the next 20 years, it's just going to, let, let's just say it's no longer abundance. Mm-hmm. Mm. So then what happens? That system crashes immediately. Right. I, Stability based on prediction, based on the worst case scenario, right? Is that where you're going with it? Well, worst case scenario. It seems to work. Pretty bad. Yeah. It seems to work. It seems to work. I mean, we, we have we elect people to rule our to govern our society and they, they have to be far seeing. They can't just be like, oh, you want that? Okay, let's do it now. Oh, well, it didn't work. You know, they have to be like, look, we have studied all of history and we are pretty sure that 
okay, this is going to be good right now, but in 20 years, you're it's going to be completely different. So we need well, to be stable along the way, I'm, you know. So that, that would speak to that, Scott. I I, I agree with that. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's but tough. unfortunately, our system's not not geared that way. So everybody's looking towards the it's next not, election. It, they're, it they're swings looking, back and forth. Yeah. It's all it's short term. Who can outspend? Whoever promises who, the most. There you go. That, that is the drawback of a of a democracy. Sure. It it just is, and unfortunately. <laughs> Well, okay. One of the things that we we have to to avoid those things are the checks and balances, right? So at least the system the system is based on the idea that the the kind of people who are going to end up in power in general are going to be the ones who are wanting power. So we have to have checks on their power. So even if you have in you have corrupt or you have people who are are not the best. You're still going to end up in with the best system of government because they can only do so much damage. When in other countries, the amount of damage they can do is Infinite. not is not checked right. I cannot imagine a system that works better with abundance, works better with abundance, but takes into account human nature. Because I the reason we have this abundance is because of this system. Right. That's the reason that True. we have. It. So if True. we throw this system out for something like James Berg was talking about. And, and you're talking about capitalism, right? Yeah. Yes. I mean, it, it was, certain, it's why yeah. you can have this abundance. But the argument yeah. is. So just so you know, George, you know, the U.S. isn't a strict capitalism. Oh, I know. We're, we're a mixed system. We're a little yeah. bit of capitalism, a little bit of socialism. No, we're a lot of capitalism <laughs> with a little bit of socialism. Uh, yes. Maybe 75, 25. Maybe. It's probably not even that much. But we focus on on the socialism aspects. But sure. most of everything that we have that's good in this country and the amazing things that have happened in the last 300 years happened after capitalism was invented. Sure. I, I Dan believe, talks about I all the time how – Yeah. Yeah. I mean capitalism talks – Dan talks about all the time how history until the last – he talked about it on a podcast with us. To the last 50 or 100 years, basically things – we're so slow. Yeah. Okay. Well, what sped everything up? When did that speed up? Capitalism. Industrial revolution. That led to technology increasing at a much faster rate, which then exponentially grew because it spread out the access to the information, which increased the number of people who could think about the information, which increased the invent inventions. Yeah. That all comes from capitalism. Okay. And that's why when we talk to Josh... You know, Josh Dwyer. Josh Dwyer. When we had, we talked to we talked to a, a socialist or a communist, really. That's what we talked about. All of these amazing things that we have in our life, those go away without the system that allows for them to be invented. And I I'm not... and so we're talking to James. When you listen to James Burke, I don't know that what he thinks would work would work. And so we just kind of have to muddle along. <clears throat> with our system the best we can and try to fix it as we can. Like that's what we need to do right now. We need to get back to the constitution and a lot more to me, that would fix a lot of the problems, but there, there is still the human nature element with abundance. And I, James Burke, just when Dan asked him this specifically, you know, drug overdoses and depression, those are skyrocketing. He says, ah, we're just in a transition phase. I, I don't know. Here, that was 
This was in 2007, right? Yeah. It's only gotten worse. Yeah. Look at the opiate deaths. Well, that's because people are there's so many people unhappy. That's not because those drugs are so good people want to take them till they die. Right? That's not why those things happen. Sure. Okay. There is a real issue with humans needing to struggle. I don't and I know I've said this plenty of times, but if you took so if anybody says anything about it, like especially like a utopian environment, uh, a utopian system, mm-hmm. it, and I kind of brought this up. I, I know I brought this up to other people as well, but probably not on this podcast. But it's just like, and I I hate to use movie references because it's not written in stone. It's it's all it's all um, whatever doesn't matter. So um, like like the Matrix when they said, oh, you know, we created this utopia and you humans kept pushing against it and it didn't work because you mm-hmm. you had to have some strife or you had to have yeah. hardship so and i think that's just ingrained in humans and in, in human nature where we it have is. to strive for something it's, to overcome it's What's not at the just top of the human mountain? nature it's in every species that's so, how evolution works sure but you know it's What's at the top of the mountain? Then you're looking right. down the mountain saying, what the hell's down there? It's how evolution works, well, but it's also a reason there's variations. Why, there's yeah, a reason sorry. why gazelles aren't building spaceships, and there's a reason right. why primates <laughs> evolved in, but, into humans. is because we were faced with challenges um, as far as survival that, and environmental factors that cause us to evolve into predators and, and to um, adapt to and modify our environment. Big brain. And this is but why we have evolved. that spirit of exploration yep. in us that led us to populate right. the entire world. But I'm That's saying unique. ambition. Well, fairly. Okay. Sure. Ambition yeah. is a trait that is required for evolution to work. Okay, now, it's not... Uh, it's not there's species of centipede that haven't evolved in millions of years, and right. they're perfectly adapted to their environment. And if you brought well, them you out of their environment, see, they would Matt, have to adapt not, But what you're die. not thinking about there, Matt, is all the species that evolved off of those centipedes, right? So, right. yeah, there's those centipedes that are still yeah. there, but how many species branched off over those last 100 million years? Because... Th- but But my... Anyway, the point the, – the way I was trying to say this, okay, is the way species, they struggle, okay? And, and, and hmm. through that struggle is how, is how um, you know, mutations – struggle occurs naturally, okay? Why, did, why are giraffes next so long? They needed right. to reach the leaves. Well, but struggle occurs naturally, yeah. right? So yeah. it, it, it does. It, yeah. it, it's it's a it's a it's it's a trait that's built into the system. Okay, so without the struggle, some certain percentage of people just will in in any animal, especially the smarter the animal is, the truer this is. The 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 more depressed they're going to be, but not the the species. But I mean, there's always variations within species. But okay, so you look at lions. In the zoos, right? They they used to just put the food out there. Yeah. They realized that those lions would just get lazy and depressed. Yeah. So they started hiding the food and making them work for it. And then yeah. those lions led a much better, improved life. Sure. That's what happens with humans. Sure. Okay. And it doesn't happen to everybody. But a certain percentage of people, that's true. And it's a high percentage. So 
Can I, you have abundance with not all the other drawbacks? Like James Burke seems to think we'll be able to figure that out. I think there were, I, I've thought about this, and you know, I think there would be internal conflict that humans do crave some kind of conflict or struggle. Oh, I, 100%. I, I think it is. Yeah, I, I absolutely do. Yeah, putting this but that in, tears in this the society down. Yeah. It can, right? Because like, look at the it, it, in, <clears throat> our our country is so rich that people are fighting about. We're, we're, we're seeing that the piddly, the most piddly little things. Well, yeah, I'm not going to just immediately go there, but we do oh, have I do, food. Matt, because the, I think the, it's we, absurd. We, we do have the freedom. <laughs> we, we have the freedom and the luxury to bicker yeah. and be concerned about things that are not even on the radar scope of other people. That's why I listen to like Russian punk rock because mm-hmm. they have co- something to complain about. You know what I mean? Not that, that some Americans don't, but right. generally speaking, 100%. go get your jack-in-the-box drive-thru and go home and watch Family Guy. You know, it's yep. very luxurious, yeah. yeah. And, and at, that, at that point, yeah. Poor people here are fat. Th- yeah. Oh. <laughs> That's an amazing thing. Now, my buddy my buddy is a, is a Mason, and he's in, he's so Mason's, he's my age, but Mason's typically are older. And he's got this old guy that's from Eastern Europe. And he's like, I love this country. It is so amazing. Your poor people are fat. Mm. That's amazing. Because poor people starve to death in, 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 in most times in human history. Think of that. That's, it says a lot. That's shitty, right? It says a and lot Think right about there. that. Something you don't see when you live here, you don't think about. But then when you have poor people, so here's here's another another angle to that. Who's most likely to commit a crime? People who are starving. No. Yes. No. Yes. No. Yes. No. They're more likely to go steal some food. Eh. Now, there's no reason to steal food in America. But because we feed them. Yeah, but the point is, so most crime, there's that is something that you hear pushed all the time, right? Crime is committed by the poor, right? But actually, it's not. If they're starving, they will. Yeah, but in America, but, nobody starves to death. That's not my my point. <laughs> my point is, the 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 rate of crime for theft or stealing for to feed for people to feed themselves is almost non-existent. Because that that's why. Because that, we have we saying. have ways for them to get food. Correct. Right. That's what. I was, and that's, that's good. The only point I was trying. But to the make. unintended consequences of that are far-reaching. So the, that's the problem, right? Sure. There's there's no free lunch. Everything we do has a trade-off. So to transition to an era of abundance and and think that we can just figure this stuff out, maybe. And really, it's going to be interesting where it goes in the next thirty years because now they're figuring out all this longevity stuff too. Yeah. Right? They're figuring out all kinds of fascinating stuff about the human brain and the human body and the human genome, the human epigenome. We were talking about CRISPR, all this stuff. Didn't they replace a human kidney with a mechanical kidney and it worked? I don't know. I swear to God, they put their... They, they... Sure, but Scott, they're going to 3D print a new kidney that's made out of your own tissue. That's for yeah. So you won't need a mechanical. Or they'll just throw some CRISPR in there and tell your body, or some, nano, some nanobots and tell your body to build a new freaking... Shoot some of your own stem cells and have your body grow a new kidney. That's even scarier. But that's a real <laughs> thing, too. And then Neuralink and Nano. Again, if we survive all this shit in a couple hundred years, things might be amazing. Well, yeah. Or it might be awful. Or yeah. it might be 1984. 
Because that might be the only way to really survive with all this is is no. just real authoritarianism. No, I hope not. No, because it, the, really the the way to survive is is to open up a ne- the next frontier. And I think, like you said before, I think Elon's doing that. I think that's or hmm. and then you have to get some backing, and then you got to get people to. So go. we got to ship all these socialists to Mars. Yeah, I mm-hmm. love it. That's a new program. Pr- that's what Elon's really doing. Or the moon. That's what they Elon's have, really they doing. They have their own commune on the moon. Yeah. You guys share whatever that. That's is. not what's gonna happen. Good luck. It'll be the adventurous people that we need here that are going to go. Sure. But not all of them. Just like the people who left Europe and went. Do you ever watch? It's uh, the crazy fuckers. The, did you ever watch The Expanse? Uh, I yeah. read the books. That, so oh, right on. Kind of like, like The Expanse. When, when you know, the, the Martians and, and mm-hmm. uh, the Belters thought everybody on Earth is a bunch of layabouts. And really, there's just no jobs and everybody's just yeah. kind of living off the government dime. That's the yeah, worry. Because then, then everything goes to shit. Sure. Independence, so anyway, we need it. That my, you know, and I know I brought this Word. up. Um, <laughs> is what's interesting to me, and this is the fa- most fascinating thing that James Burke was working on. Uh, I think mm-hmm. George, you mm-hmm. said that uh, that that didn't come to fruition. Was was the the Neuralink net or the net that he was? Uh, not, yeah, not Neuralink net. Though. I know you know what I mean. Yeah, the, um, the net or what? Basically, <laughs> he created this. He was trying to spearhead this idea in this um, to try to teach people history. He talks about this in the podcast. Teach people mm-hmm. everything all at once instead of teaching them based on subjects and easily gradable things, right? Yeah. So showing the connections throughout history to everything, math and technology and art and literature. Very important. It's all interconnected. So he went it really you know, is. He Mozart to the helicopter in you know, 10 jumps. And ten jumps, but he and referencing music only one more right. time. So just showing who feeds off who and 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 how we get to where we're at. But that's the reason why I think that's so fascinating is, you know, I might come to a conclusion in five jumps with my brain, and you might come to the same conclusion in mm-hmm. ten jumps with yours. Right. Or or you know whatever. It doesn't matter. Somebody it. Just it's just how your brain processes information, right? With how you learned, and then what you're linking to what. A hundred percent. I just think that's very fast. Because everybody's brains have their own experiences, sure. And so they can make intuitive leaps that other people might not be able to. And then some people's brains just suck. And it depends on what you learn. Maybe if we did the same thing with somebody else other than James Burke and said, how do you get from Mozart sure. to the helicopter in, in 10 jumps or less and somebody could do it in five? Oh, probably. You but know, you'd have to be have all the information or well knowledge. Yeah, of, of who knows. Who okay. Knows. Anyway. Anything else from the podcast uh, with James Burke that it's, you want to talk it's about? Called, it's, called the, it's, it's called the knowledge web. I just looked at the knowledge web. Thank yeah. Good job. Thank you very much, Matt. That was, that was a good overview. You, Jamie. Do you guys want to talk about your interview with Dan? Sure. Sure. Yeah. See, I, a lot yeah, of great points amazing. in there, man. Yeah. yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. What did you say, Matt? I mean, I, I have some standouts. What stood out for you? Just how awesome he was to talk to. He's a chill he was, guy, right? So <laughs> it's just the it best. was so easy to talk to him. And yeah. very. he just made it comfortable. He sounds... Yeah. It sounded like we were in my ear. Sounded like we were doing a hardcore history podcast. Like he was, like he was. We were just sitting in a hardcore history podcast in person. Yep. But then he would answer a question. So it's like the dream <laughs> because you're listening yeah. to hardcore history. Interactive you come up hardcore with a question, history. 
Yeah, that's <laughs> that's what it is, right? Inter- that's dude, insane. Think about think about that, right? What if you could AI Dan Carlin? Because there are what hundreds of hours of him available. That's true. They could plug all that into a thing and make so an I, I Dan actually tried to do that bot for our, for yeah. our server. I tried to make that because in my other community we have a Dune bot where you like type in a question and it answers in right. the response of a certain author. And I tried to do that. I was like, I want to make a Dan bot where you're like, tell me about this period of history and an answer in the uh-huh. style of Dan Carlin. And it would not poach from his copyrighted content. So right. unfortunately, that's impossible. So Dan yeah, yeah. needs to make this bot. <laughs> he does. He needs to make that's, this. That's how he retires. That's how he yeah. makes a billion dollars. <laughs> Dude, I mean, I'd pay five bucks for that app. I would. Or ten bucks or whatever it was. So I could just be like, "Yeah, Alexa, tell me everything that Dan Carlin right, has right. ever said about this subject. And yeah, it just yeah. does it in his voice. <laughs> you know, great. talking to you now. Yeah, the government's listening. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, it was... Talking to Dan was fun. It was well, fun. Congratulations, you guys. He knocked it out of the Thanks. ballpark. Well, I appreciate that, Matt. I mean, yeah, he was. We he talked was... about a lot of the same things that we talked about from this podcast. It's kind of funny when we're listening to this James Burke episode for this. I was like, oh, shit, did I just poach all the ideas? Uh, Not even realizing, because I hadn't listened to this in, in probably a year or at least months and months. And a lot of the. We talked about a lot of the same stuff. And I'm like, oh, crap. And then he gets to the end. He's like, "Everybody steals." Yeah, exactly. That's what James Burke says we, in the podcast. Uh, All right. Well, that makes me feel a little better. He said, "I took that idea. You take it. I stole it. You steal it. Go for it, my boy. We stand on the shoulders." Of he goes, science. "What do you think? You were born with ideas?" Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Some people. Yeah. That's interesting. We didn't talk. Oh yeah. Um, and I saw on Twitter Dan actually shared that he has a skin cancer diagnosis. It's but unfortunate. It's not, um, he said it was not dangerous, um, or not the deadly kind. So yeah, that's melanoma. Yeah, he didn't even say that. Well, the he just said kind. he literally just put in parentheses, not deadly. Gotcha. <laughs> the man but, was yeah, in so, Oregon for Pete's sake. Yeah. Well, yeah, he said. Gro- well, he said growing up on the beach all. His oh, whole, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. His whole childhood, just basically that's spending his whole time on the beach, is why. He always wears a hat now. So then he commented mm. that he might have to get a bigger hat. So then somebody goes, a sombrero is like a hat, only more so. <laughs> and I was like, I had every comment on there. You win. Like, you nailed it. That's the perfect take. You know, only more so. So, Matt, yeah. you you recently bought a ticket to Dan's show. I did. Out your way, right? You excited for that? Yeah. It's a little out of my way, but it's the closest to me, and I just can't miss it. Yeah, I'm That's very excited. So, I, yeah, I, I, I'm looking to see the format. I don't know if he's going to have a guest or it's just going to be him taking questions all night, which would be great. Um, I hope to talk to him a little bit, and at the very least, I'm just supporting his live tour. He said he said it's going to be similar to kind of like what we did with him, where very cool. there's going to be some kind of planned stuff, and then and then and then more just uh, you know answering questions and you know i know exactly what i'm gonna ask him if i get a chance at the <laughs> microphone so yeah I, I plan on hogging it's the not microphone. the one you sent me because we already asked him for you uh, <laughs> i got other stuff yeah yeah, yeah yeah i'm sure yeah i i hope he comes by us if he does we're gonna have to go oh for sure if they do well enough and that's all i'm trying to do is just push him to keep going i tell you what i'm telling you matt if he comes by us 
We're going to fly you out here. That'd be great. To do an episode of the podcast when we go to the live show. And if we're going to try to talk to George, you George, 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 trivia. George, people can't fly, George. Yeah, but they can. Horses can't fly. Horses can't. <laughs> thank, you for under- can. thank you for understanding that reference, Scott. I oh, brought I him all the way back. All right, all right, all right. I love the callbacks. <laughs> I love the callbacks. Yeah, that'd be, I'd good. love to hang out with you guys, see what the beer is like in fun, Michigan, man, man and uh, mm-hmm. do a live show. That'd be great with you guys. Take yeah. Some good spots. Thank you. Yeah, we'll do a live show onto the Discord, too, so that'd be cool. Mm-hmm. But anyway, okay, everybody. Check out the link in the description for Dan's website to find the old episodes. Also, to find uh, on his front page of his website is information about the live shows. If you live in, what were the cities? Uh, New York, Portland. That's a lot. Yeah. Uh, no, there's only four. I think it was, it was LA. York, Portland, LA. I thought it was three. No, it's four. But anyway, those are the big three. There's nothing in the Midwest yet. It might be in Seattle, too. No. But no, it's not four. Seattle. If it was Seattle, no. I would have gone to Seattle. Yeah, right. Anyway, I'll look him up right now. If you're near one, yeah, Scott's looking it up too. If you're near one of those cities, go see his show so that he does more. There are still seats available. Uh, Salt Lake City. Salt Lake City. That's okay. what it was. So go check it out and then hit us up on the Discord. Let us know how you liked it. If it was awesome, please do. That'd be great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Share pictures or anything. Yeah. We're going to be doing another trivia coming up here soon. So if you, okay. If you tuned in, if this is your shit, I'm going to go ahead and put some intro at the beginning because I should have, no, I should have, no, I should have no, done no. something about, Hey, if you're just joining us for the first time after what, listening to Dan's interview, here's what we normally do. And I didn't do any of that. I will, I'll just edit all that. In. It might get weird. And I'm not going to cut weird. this out. George got it weird. I'm not going to cut this out because I don't believe in that. <laughs> I like to let people get to see how the sausage is made. All right. Anything before we wrap this up, guys? I think it was fa- Matt, fantastic. Thanks for joining uh, us again. Yeah, I bet. love talking about this episode. James yeah. Burke was fascinating. Great episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, ah. If James Burke listens to this, please. Right. Yeah, hit us let up. Let us interview. That would be amazing. Yeah, you want to come on? Uh, what I would really like is for Dan to interview James Burke again. 12 years or four, four, wow. 16 years later. There was later. some stuff in there that was kind of dated. I'd love an update on that. Right. right. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, what do you think now? Is social media going to kill everybody or not? <laughs> like, that's what I want to know. Uh, we're, yeah. we're going from like MySpace to the inception of Facebook. Right. And now all of a sudden we're at Twitter, yeah. Instagram. Like, yeah. The, the, you have the, stool, the, like, the beautiful things of it, the Arab Spring, all that stuff. And then anyway. It, it'd be fascinating got, to hear an update. What do you guys got coming up? So we're going to be doing uh, a new tr- another trivia. And actually, I was going to talk to you about that, Matt. I was mm-hmm. thinking Thor's Angels. That'd be great. I love that one. Okay, and then we and check the link in the description. So Dan recommended a book that we are going to do for the book club event. Uh, yep. We will do an announcement for that. But it is it is um, it is uh, by Eve Ball. Eve Ball and. What is the name of the book again, Matt? It was I- in, Ivita? Indy, um, Indy. A fascinating Indy. account of Apache history and ethnography. So yeah, boom! It's going to be awesome because we're going to so we're going to do we're going to do that for the book club event, and then we're going to do an episode about hardcore histories. Apache um, tears. Har- uh, uh, no, we're going to do an episode about hardcore histories uh, Aztec series, and then we'll be the, doing the Apache tears. 
which is Dan Carlin's um, episode about where the Eve Ball won. So we'll do that first, actually. So we'll do the the book club, Apache Tears, and then we'll do the Aztec Empire uh, rest is history. So we're going to go after the next trivia. We're going to go Native American hardcore. It's going to be deep. It's going to be fun. Uh, that's it's going to be great. I'm looking forward time. to it. Yeah. So check that out. Look at the link in the description for the Discord channel to get the date for the book club. I will also throw it up on Twitter and um, look for that. And thank you very much for watching. Yep. Thank you. Right, right on, guys. Thanks, Matt.